The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Central City Citizen, the unofficial The Flash podcast, a poppychularadio.com original series. Poppy Chula Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Wednesday, February 5th, 2020, and I'm your host, Professor X. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the CW series, The Flash. Please welcome my co-hosts, Millie Wood. Hello, Central City. And Jeffrey Aruz. Welcome back, Central City, and uh, Iris, you in danger, girl. Let's jump into our recap of Season 6, Episode 10, which was titled Marathon, and aired February 4th, 2020. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Following Oliver's death and the events of Crisis, Iris, Allegra, and Camilla have formed Team Citizen and are investigating a secret organization called Black Hole. Iris meets with an anonymous source who says the Black Hole is connected with McCulloch Technologies, but its CEO, Joseph Carver, denies these claims. Iris ignores Cecile's legal advice and decides to publish her story on Black Hole, leading to her and the citizen being attacked by a metahuman, Dr. Light. Meanwhile, the legal arrives in Central City to give Barry a bequest from Oliver Queen, the custom-made mask that Barry gave to Oliver from the first time they met. Barry notices a trace of Mirakuru and mud from Leon Yu on the mask and believes it contains a warning message left behind by Oliver. The two travel to Leon Yu only to discover there aren't any Mirakuru rooms on the island. Barry had been seeing a conspiracy where none existed because he's been beating himself up over Oliver's sacrifice. Back in Central City, Iris' team sets up a trap for Dr. Light while Iris again confronts Carver and blackmails him on his involvement with Black Hole, prompting Carver to call off the bounty. Later that night, Iris investigates McCullough Technologies when she's pulled into a mirror. And over in the sea story, still reeling from no other Earths being restored, Cisco decides to leave Team Flash, but asks Nash to take his place until he returns. Let's check in on the ratings for Season 6, Episode 10. The episode was viewed by 1.29 total 1.29 million total viewers and had a 0.4 in the demo, both down a bit from the Crisis crossover. So, what was everyone's initial reaction? Millie, what did you think of the episode? I have mixed feelings on the the episode. I think I liked just some. I liked it overall, but I think there are some issues more in I think the placing of the timeline that made some of the bits of the storyline a little confusing. But I really do enjoy how um, Iris is finally getting a storyline um, that's outside of her relationship with Barry, and she's kind of actually going to see the central sorry central city citizen. Um, and see that develop, and she has this independent storyline with a group of uh, her fellow female journalist friends. Um, so I think that was cool. I, I don't know how I feel about the whole like, her in trouble kind of thing. Again, I felt like that flashed back to season three, not in a good way. But I, I hope we get to see more of that. And I really did enjoy the the Diggle and Barry um, moments. I think it's great that we kind of get to see Diggle again because we thought we all said goodbye. And I think that it it's fitting that he's the one to help Barry kind of 
cope with his grief because we didn't really get um he we didn't see as much in crisis so it's nice that we get to just carry over um there uh jeff what did you think of the episode I echo a lot of what Millie said. I liked it for the most part. The timeline was a little weird. And to be quite honest, I feel like both of the storylines did not mesh well at all together. And and that was kind of bothersome to me. Like, I didn't mind and, and I did enjoy that Barry got sort of like his final chance to say farewell to Oliver on his own show. Uh, and I really, really liked, like, out of both of those stories, like, I, I really enjoyed the Iris stuff, and um, it, 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 all the negative stuff that Millie um, said, I rebuke it, because I don't agree with any of that, but, I, like, the, the, that stuff was really, really good, and, uh, it, but it just didn't work that well together. Uh, the C storyline, I thought, was interesting, although... I felt like something shouldn't exist because of crisis, so it was very weird that it existed, and I will I will mention that later on when we talk about it. But it was it was a weird episode, even though the storylines were enjoyable, they just didn't connect for me. Which um, yeah, it, they just didn't work together. Like I could have seen Barry stuff in a separate episode and the Iris stuff in a separate episode. It it just yeah, there was no cohesive nature or for them i don't know what i'm saying it's just yeah i'll I'll leave it at that yeah i think i i pretty much agree in that i think there were elements of the show that worked really well but overall uh the show as a whole somehow the, the pieces didn't hang together you know there was a certain artificiality and having to get barry out of the way so that iris could face you know the threat that she was facing without barry being around and then he was conveniently you know, uh, you know, out of the picture. Um, and uh, and there are a couple of other, you know, quibbles I have with it. But overall, I mean, I think there were some very good elements in here in terms of, you know, character and, and carrying things forward. It's just, yeah, they, they didn't seem to hang together well, whether it was the timeline or trying to shoehorn stories that didn't have, you know, enough to do with each other together. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, for me, it was an enjoyable episode. I, I wouldn't class it as a great one. But before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of The Flash, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. 
PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, Alistair. Um, before we get into the specifics of the plot, let's talk a little bit about the Christquences. We've mentioned this term before on the other shows. All the other Arrowverse shows have been dealing with the consequences of the crisis, what we call Christquences. Uh, but Flash came back later than everyone else, you know, significantly later uh, than some of the other shows. Um, so, and I was sort of expecting Flash to be the show that dealt the most with the consequences because, you know, Flash has dealt with, you know, resetting reality and, and timelines and stuff like that before. So how would you like their treatment of the post-crisis reality uh, and, you know, the, the sly crisis reference at the newly reopened Jitters? Millie? I was disappointed in, in the post-crisis aftermath. I feel like there wasn't much there. Um, besides, you know, Cisco's book of who's who, we, are, we don't really, everything kind of looks the same. Um, and so I felt like you think the show would have bigger effects or kind of show it in that sense. And that kind of leads into the whole, one of my qualms is that, you know, and this, I guess it's a bigger qualm with crisis, which we've dealt with, but it's just kind of, you've spent the whole first half of the season getting everyone ready to say goodbye to Barry. And now he's here like after the crisis. And so it, it just seems kind of very anticlimactic in that sense that we don't really see anything like this is a little show that was going to change it. And it, nothing's different on that. So I thought that was uh, a little disappointing. And maybe they'll tr- sprinkle in some changes, you know, as episodes go on. But immediately the aftermath, it just it was seemed like another day in Central City. Um, and then the whole set the jitters. I mean, I do love their teal color scheme that they had going on with that. So I thought that was really fun. But, um, yeah, overall, it was it was a little disappointing. Yeah, I agree with that assessment i wish that we would have had an episode kind of like what we had on the other shows that are still around we kind of had a little bit of an episode to breathe a little bit post-crisis where we got to understand the crisis sequences how you know whatever that city is has been reshaped you know is there a doppelganger there that shouldn't be there are there you know people surviving from a wormhole like we got the chance to really understand how that city on the other shows um you know the city that those shows take place in how that city in particular is dealing with post-crisis life we didn't really get that here like we got a little bit of talk of sort of like the fact that you know there are all these new threats and this and that or the other and there's a catalog of them and apparently some people you know are back and remixed and got a new paint job on them and so there there are these um um well, not to steal a word from Legends, there might be some encores or remixes of previous villains on The Flash, which I don't mind that at all. I just wish that we would have seen a little bit more of how Central City might be changed 
Like, to be quite honest, I would have loved to have seen the citizen as a bigger damn deal post-crisis. Like, instead of just an office, it would have been nice to have seen them have a building. And, and uh, you know, in this post-crisis world, like, the citizen has already grown into this large digital publication and, and that kind of thing, you know, on the same uh, level of like a Huffington Post. I think that would have been an easy sequence that we could buy um, and or seeing something else, uh, you know, maybe like a, a brief cameo from a previous villain that's has been an ally all this time, kind of like what they did with, uh, what was his name, the Pied Piper, after, what was it, after Flashpoint, I think? Uh, and then we never saw the Pied Piper again. Um, just something like that, just to show us that there are some changes. Um, I don't know what else. Uh, um, you know, Cecile has a different job, or that, I don't know, I can't think of anything else that would be like a small type of change, but something like that I think would have been really interesting. And it could have been just... You know, a small little thing that, that would have shown us that post-crisis life is a little different, maybe a little bit better, maybe a little worse, I don't know. But they were, they were missing something like that, a surprise. And uh, I know that we've heard from different showrunners that, you know, we're going to see the effects of crisis throughout the entire rest of the season and that there might be other surprises lurking around and that kind of thing. But for The Flash, this is the first one back. And we saw a surprise on Supergirl. We saw a surprise on Batwoman, and we didn't get a surprise here. Yeah, I agree. I think the only thing that, that I, the only Christ sequence that I kind of liked, uh, aside from, uh, you know, Cisco's, I'm wearing this shirt and I don't remember where I got it, uh, was good, is that, you know, we actually had, for a brief moment, you could see a little map showing the location of all the key mm-hmm. cities yeah. uh, in, mm-hmm. in, uh, on Earth Prime. So I thought that was really great because it, it you know answers the question that okay Gotham really is supposed to be Chicago and Metropolis is supposed to be um uh you know uh New York and it looks like Freeland is so it's funny cuz I always assumed that Freeland was in Michigan for some reason but no apparently it's down near uh, Atlanta. Um yeah. so I did like that but no I, I agree with you guys that it, it surprised me and I wonder if it's because Arrow was or because Flash was coming back a couple of weeks after everyone else uh, but I expected Flash to be the show that was most affected by the crisis, where, you know, the uh, the consequences would be most obvious. But I agree, the idea that, you know, uh, you know, in the same way that you had, you know, um, you know, uh, Weather Witch showing up on Supergirl, maybe have one of these new revamped, you know, uh, you know, reversioned, reskinned, if you will, uh, supervillains show up. And, you know, Barry with his old knowledge of what they were like, you know, uh, having trouble dealing with them in the new reality. It would have been, you know, as I often say, you know, show don't tell. Instead, they chose to tell us everything instead of showing it to us, and it it didn't really work for me either. I was I was hoping for more uh, of a consequence. Now we did obviously deal with emotional consequences of the crisis, but we're not really seeing what the the effect uh, on the real world they live in is, and I found that a little disappointing. Yeah, um, uh, I agree th- with you on all of that. Uh, it was a missed opportunity where they could have done something because this is the series that crisis, you know, has been that has been hinting the crisis for so long and it was yeah, and even that thing with the shirt, that bugged me because if they have 
the memories of uh, this new Earth Prime as well as the old Earth, he would have remembered buying that shirt. Well, I think the the uh, the conceit is that when John does his thing of rebooting your memories, you lose the old memories and you gain the new memories. No, that can't um, be cause... possible, though, because then how do you remember relationships that you might currently have that might be different than they were in the past? I think that's the point of someone who's gone through the reboot, because I don't think, you know, if you look at Supergirl, for example, you know, Supergirl doesn't remember, you know, cozying up to Lex and, and being the, uh, you know, the beacon of the DEO with Lex and everything oh, like that, that even though true. that is part of her backstory. So I think that once John reboots your memory, or they do it technologically, uh, as they did it in other shows, then you, re- and I think that's, you know, a, a major problem that they're just sort of brushing under the rug in the Arrowverse shows, that if the you know, if all the heroes remember a completely different version of reality than everyone else, that's going to screw up everything. Um, but no, I think that's that's consequence is that, you know, when they remember the way things were, they forget everything else. I don't think they, they integrate the two memories because that would be, you know, insane making. Um, uh, in the past, when we've talked about Flash, we've talked about the idea of one advantage that, you know, in the sixth season, you built up a strong supporting cast. So that means that sometimes you can have episodes that aren't Flash-centered, and this one certainly wasn't. I mean, Barry was off on a side plot, conveniently getting him out of the way so that Iris could be putting herself in danger. Um, so, uh, Jeff, what did you think about uh, Barry's subplot, uh, the relationship with Diggle, uh, using Diggle in this episode, and what it shows us about how Barry's dealing with the crisis? Diggle was fantastic, but Diggle is fantastic uh, all the time. I mean, let's be real. Um Barry's story throughout this episode was an interesting one. Um, you know, it's it was it showed us Barry post crisis like really feeling the guilt of uh, and the weight of uh, losing Oliver, not being able to save him, and now having to protect this new world that Oliver created, in essence, and uh, and. I thought the uh, the emotions were there, and uh, the the timeline was a little weird for me because if you saw the Arrow series finale, you know that Diggle has already moved away to Metropolis. Like he was already in like literally the process of packing things up, and he has left Star City. So the fact that he hasn't left yet means that this is after the funeral that we saw so in the Arrow finale. So this is somewhere between the funeral and between Diggle leaving. And Yes, this would have had to happen before they actually moved to Metropolis, so before he, you know, got whatever green thing he found. Exactly. And uh but it's like after the funeral as well. And uh, I thought I didn't really feel like Barry's headspace was this was right after Oliver's funeral to me. I don't know. I just feel like like when you lose someone, especially if it's, you know, a really good friend or a mentor or something like that, you're still kind of a a little bit emotional and a bit distraught over that. And I don't know if I fully got that from Barry. So that's why the timeline was just odd um, I wish that they would have done it to where Diggle was like, I had, I had moved to Metropolis already, um, because there, there was such a big, um, um, because Flash aired so late, 
uh, it premiered so late as opposed to the other series, uh, I, I think it would have made a little bit more sense had Diggle said that uh, he was already moved to Metropolis. He doesn't need to bring up, you know, the the thing that he found. Uh, that can be his own separate journey. It doesn't need to necessarily involve Barry. But uh, I think for the timeline, giving it a little bit more time after the funeral, it, it might have made a little bit more sense to where Barry's headspace was. Um, but, uh, it, like, it, if we imagine this to be even, you know, some time after that, like, his headspace where they wrote him did make sense. Uh, I thought Diggle was used effectively. Uh, some of the comedic aspects, you know, as we know, with him and the problem uh, of, of the, the, the um, being sort of um, sped around by Barry was really good. And uh, all of the clues were interesting. Uh, and the end goal of it, of just being sort of like, you need to uh, live in the moment. You need to enjoy life. You can't always be about the mission. I thought was a really good uh, thing for Barry to, to learn. Especially, you know, since he was so focused, or he has been so focused on the objective in the past. And, you know, really trying to to fix whatever is the problem, you know, allowing him to to sort of slow down, uh, you know, the you know, it isn't um, it is it's a marathon. It isn't a sprint, you know, the the name of the episode and that kind of thing. I thought it was really good and really well done. Although it could have been its own episode. Like, you, you know, the the A plot did not really match up with the B plot, and that was a bit of an issue with the episode. But as a storyline by itself, I think it was a really important one that Barry needed. I think it, this could have been a storyline for the second episode back. I think the first episode back could have been like what you said, Professor, where we saw... You know, a uh, a remixed uh, pa new paint job um, villain, and Barry has to, you know, deal with that. Uh, so I, I think this could have we could have waited an episode for this one. Uh, Millie, what did you think about the uh, Barry subplot? Yeah, I have to agree with a lot of what Jeffrey said. Um, it, it's I think the end goal. I think was really needed for Barry, but I, the journey there, I think the imagination had to be stretched a little bit. Um, and I, I think they could have delved into it even more and found a, a different way to kind of, if he needs to be away from central city, get him away from central city. But um, it just seems a very thin, thin. I like the chase, but it just seems like the, the, you know, dirt on the mask and then going to Lian Yu. Um, it all just, like I said, a stretch of imagination. I do kind of like how, him and Diggle do have this really big heart-to-heart -heart in Lian Yu where um, a lot of kind of what changed Oliver Queen. So that, that was a good um, kind of tribute to him there. Um, and, and a lot of what Wise Diggle says is always true. And so uh, I thought it was fitting in that sense because Diggle was there to help guide Oliver. And now he's there to help guide Barry. And he's been with Barry since he got his power. So um, it seems to be the right character to be the one to do that. Um, but like I said, it, it's just kind of, there's some things that were said that, uh, was like, okay, that's an interesting way to do it. But, um, I think at the end of the day, it's let's move Barry forward. Um, I do kind of with the timeline and confused in the sense of, so it's before Diggle moved for, funeral, but we saw Barry at the funeral. 
I mean, maybe like a throw-in line would have been like better like if, oh, I'll see you at the funeral or I've seen you at the funeral. I'm trying to figure out when that happened. Um, but I guess it's me trying to put too much logic into the timeline of an Arrowverse show on there. Yeah, I mean, the Arrowverse shows will always sacrifice timeline for, for story. And, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, uh, I'll mention a little later as well. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, moving on from Barry dealing with the uh, the aftermath of the crisis, someone else who's dealing with that is Cisco. Uh, we get some emotional payoff, something, you know, we've often talked about, you know, on the show. The idea of, uh, of Cisco voluntarily giving up his powers, you know, then getting them back. And apparently he doesn't have them anymore, which, you know, was, was a bit of a surprise for me. Um but Cisco is dealing with the consequences of the crisis and feeling that if he had his powers, he might have sensed things earlier, been able to save people. Uh, in the end, he decides to leave Central City to study exactly what's changed and what threats they face in this new Earth Prime. Uh, so, Millie, what did you think about Cisco's arc in this episode? And now that Nash is there to take his place and Chester P. Runk is presumably out there waiting in the wings, uh, do you think Cisco's leaving Team Flash? Oh, not that question again. <laughs> I mean, they certainly writing it for it again. I think, I know the internet is kind of like, okay, are we going to just like let him leave, let him leave, or keep him on? Because there's a lot of these like, it's possible he could leave and never come back, but then he comes back. Um, I don't know, the way they did write it, I'm like, I could see him, you know, if, if Carlos Valdez wants to go off and do his own thing, like they, I think they found a good exit for him um, out, you know, studying studying the multiverse, the, you know, the Earth Prime. Um, so, I don't know, I, I love Cisco, so I hope he comes back but the supporting cast is quite hefty and um cisco has been kind of put to the side recently so you know let him go fly his wings but i do enjoy how cisco is dealing with crisis and i was like when we were seeing that i'm like finally somebody that is like addressing this whole post-crisis thing like and he kind of said like i'm the only one that's like freaking out uh everyone else is kind of just going on doing their own thing so I thought it was interesting that Cisco's the one to be, besides Barry, to be kind of really taking into crisis to heart. But at the same time, when I thought about it, I'm like, oh, it makes sense. Like, he loves his stuff, but he's also there from the beginning. And since we were getting a lot more Kayla Frost and I don't know where Caitlin is, it's fitting that it's Cisco's the other one that is uh, most impacted by crisis. And uh, his, like it's his binder, who's who, is, is great. I wonder if he slept at all since crisis ended, because um, that was a very comprehensive binder. Um, Caitlin was there for an emotional Kate Co. moment. All right, that's true. <laughs> yeah, Cisco. Uh, the Cisco situation. I mean, I feel like it's a. It's been like a year since we've been talking about on this podcast. Like, is Carlos Valdez leaving, and that sort of thing. Um, so, like, now I'm just tired of speculating. I feel like if Cisco's gonna leave, he's gonna leave. It, you know, if the actor's leaving, he's gonna leave when he wants to leave. Uh, you know, like, w you know, there's just so much chatter on the internet, especially after this episode. And it doesn't hurt that, like, a lot of the popular, um, you know, uh, like, uh, TV news sites are like, you know, did they just write out this character? And I'm like... I don't know. Like, I, I don't know anymore. Like, the speculation, y'all can speculate. What I do think is it was a good storyline for Cisco. I hate, and I still hate, and I hated at the time 
the whole storyline of Cisco giving up his powers, I thought it was stupid then. I think it's stupid now. The fact that Cisco is realizing how stupid it was makes me feel right about all of my feelings about that storyline. So thank you, Siski. I mean, it was just dumb. Like, uh, the writers... I mean, I know it's a new showrunner this season, so maybe this is the showrunner's way of saying that the previous showrunners were dumb in going with that storyline. He could have easily fixed it by um, allowing him to retain the vibe powers that the Monitor gave him, uh, or restored, however you want to call it. I wonder if we're going to get some sort of storyline where his powers do get restored... I feel like they, they kind of uh, could open the door to that based off the storyline in this episode. Uh, just because, you know, he's torn and, and Caitlin does say to him, well, you need to figure out, like, what you want to do and where you want to go. Um, so so maybe somehow he's still connected to it. I don't know. Um, it, I mean, it would be nice for him to get his powers back. I, I just, I, I feel, it, it was just stupid. Stupid. Uh, but this was a good storyline for Cisco. I, I liked the emotional scene that he had with Caitlin. Um, I liked when he lashed out at Nash um, because all he was saying was truthful, to be quite honest. But then finding out that there was hurt behind it, and it's more it was more so him being pissed off at himself for questioning whether, you know, he could have done something else had he always had his vibe powers. I thought that was a really great moment for him as well. The way that they used Killer Frost and Caitlyn throughout the episode was nice. I know that we've had, um, you know, at least throughout the first half of the season, it was very Killer Frost heavy. So the fact that they're allowing Caitlyn to pop out every once in a while, kind of like how it was always Caitlyn and Killer Frost would pop out every once in a while. I think that is really good. Um... And uh, I do believe Danielle Panabaker is pregnant, though. So um, Caitlin will have to disappear, I would assume, um, based off of the filming schedule and whenever she's going to give birth. Uh, but we can still see Frost, right? <laughs> yes, because Killer Frost is not pregnant. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, a lot of great moments with Cisco, uh, and and I thought Carlos Valdez did a, did a really good job with the material. He's gonna disappear. I would assume it's not for long, uh, although he is just a mere mortal now. So him traveling the world, where does he have the money for that? Um, I guess I won't even start thinking about that. Um, oh, you know what would have been a good a good little thing to show us that this world is different. Cisco's brother could have been alive. Yep, that could have been just one of yes. those little show-don't-tell moments. Or, um, you know, uh, Star Labs could have been repaired, because they always so, show Star Labs with the damage to it from when the particle accelerator blew up. You could have just had that fixed in this reality. Um, but spoiler alert, uh, Carlos Valdez is going nowhere. The showrunner has said he will be back uh, in a few episodes uh, with some important news about a, uh, a villain. So that was just my question to throw you guys off the scent. Ha, 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 I love it. I'm evil. Um, uh, I was never this evil before the crisis, or was I? Uh, but let's get to the main plot, because for once, it's Iris-centered. Yay! Iris really took a back seat to Barry in the first half of the season, because we were dealing with the expectation that Barry was going to die. Uh, but it turns out pushing herself uh, like the world was going to end, because for her, you know, losing Barry it was like the world was going to end. 
Uh, but with the black hole uh, being the big bad for the second half of the season, at least we assume, it looks like Iris is going to be front and center for this second half of the season, which the uh, the showrunners have called basically a graphic novel rather than an entire season. So before we go into the details of the main plot, Jeff, what did you think about centering the plot so heavily on Iris? I loved it. Uh, I feel like it's been a long time coming. It's not that she hasn't had her own centric episodes but it just feels like it's been a while especially because it was um the 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 season was so focused on barry and his death uh throughout the first half Uh, i won't mention this again after this moment but i I just do want to like just hit that nail on the head one more time iris could have had her own centric episode in the fall where it's her dealing and processing with barry's impending death And uh, for some reason, the writers just decided not to do that. They felt that Ralph being emotional about Barry's death, Sisko, Killer Frost, everyone could be emotional about Barry's death except for Iris. And uh, I feel like that was an incredible missed opportunity. And now that Barry didn't die, I, I just hate that we didn't get a chance to really see Iris process that. So, um... So that was just a missed opportunity. But what they did with her in this episode was really good. It was really interesting. They showed her to be a strong character. Um, Maybe some of her choices journalistically might be questionable. The professor can um, school us on that. But I I really enjoyed that they gave her her own storyline separate from everything that's going on. Clearly, everyone will get involved at a certain point, but the fact that it's starting off with Iris sort of as the boss, and not just the boss, but as the B-O dollar sign dollar sign boss, uh, I really enjoyed that. Well, something you were mentioning is that, you know, we talked all during the first half of the season, you know, uh, we were sort of waiting for the, the expected, you know, uh, explosion or meltdown for Iris dealing with uh, with Barry's uh, pending death, and we never got that, as you say. I was actually kind of expecting it to happen in this episode, that now that they've gotten past it, the relief of that might cause her to uh, to uh, to to admit to the uh, the emotions she was keeping in, because I'm, I'm quite sure if you look at that first half of the season, Candace Patton was playing it as someone who was you know, uh, hiding, you know, something that she was really dealing with, some, some you know, uh, tremendous pain. And, uh, and we never got the payoff from that, which I, I found, you know, kind of surprising. I suppose we still could get it. But it feels to me that, you know, um, well, we'll talk a little bit more about this later. I, I think that, you know, this was the episode, you know, basically putting the cap on that, you know, that first half, you know, all the emotional uh, trauma and stuff like that is in the past. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel we did lose out on on getting that uh, tremendous uh you know uh iris uh, emotional scene but you know the fact that we got you know this very strong iris centric episode uh, i thought was great uh but iris of course isn't working alone we see team citizen continues to make the central city citizen a thing even if team citizen is just iris a photographer an intern and a lawyer providing free advice amelie what did you think about team citizen I like Team Citizen, although now that you mentioned it, it is kind of a hodgepodge of just people. Um, <laughs> I think it is the, the start of a, a nice reporting team. I don't know. You're the journalism major or expert, so I'll let you take that one. But I, I think that they all play off each other really well. Um, as actors, I think that it, it 
the group has great chemistry, so it'll be fun to kind of see them uh, move this storyline forward and kind of them be front and center. Um, it's not just I, just kind of leading the whole team, so it'll be great to see um, all four of them take a larger role. And to be fair, this could be a HuffPost type model where, you know, Iris is just the face of it and is having, you know, dozens of people contributing, you know, content uh, for free uh, in the hopes that their work will get noticed. So, you know, it, it could be bigger than that. But it does seem to me the, the funniest line in the episode was, you know, uh, when Iris is, is first meeting the, uh, the evil conglomerate and says, yes, I'm a fan of the citizen. No, you've never seen it before. It's a blog. Um, but anyway, uh, that raises a point that I want to talk about, though, which is that the Arrowverse shows – uh, especially over the last couple of seasons, they often glamorize the role of the reporter, almost like they're trying to make a political statement at a time when someone might be dismissing the press as the enemy of the people. Uh, Jeff, what do you think about how they're using Iris and Team Citizen as a stand-in for reporters in general? Because we do see a lot of that, obviously, in um, uh, in Supergirl is is the most obvious example of that. But we do have you know Vesper Fairchild over on Batgirl. Um, what do you think about, and it, it seems to me that there is this, this changing attitude towards the media, uh, in the past, you know, uh, Arrow, for example, would have had an adversarial attitude, uh, towards the media. Um, but I think on all the Arrowverse shows, even over on Black Lightning and, and God Hell's Clapback News, it seems that reporters are being presented as heroes. What do you think of that? Well, how dare you demote her to a girl? She's Batwoman. First of all, we also that girl. I am so sorry. It's okay. Uh, I am a huge Barbara Gordon fan. I slip up sometimes. Babs, I miss you. There you go. Uh, We do also have Lois Lane out there, and she is beloved. Lois uh, Lane, yes. As well as Cat Grant. And with the new Superman and Lois uh, series coming along, I'm sure journalism will be front and center in that as well. Correct. And Cat Grant, you know, even though she isn't around, uh, I mean, she was beloved, uh, you know, when she was on Supergirl. Not just, you know, because we love the character, but by the the people of uh, National City and the world and that sort of thing. Uh, I I think it's really interesting. I mean, clearly, um, you know... It is a kind of uh, jab at uh, how the press is being treated in the real world and that sort of thing. But I I like what they're doing with it. You know, the press is there to expose the truth. I mean, that's what the press uh, has always been there to do. They're there to ask the hard questions, uh, whether you like it or not. And, and no matter what side you're on, you know, it, it's it's about, you know, just finding out the truth. Uh, truth, justice, and the American way and that whole shebang. Uh, and I feel like it works with what they're trying to do with Iris. I mean, she's found this sort of criminal conspiracy, and uh, she's there to expose it to the world. I still, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier, I for this to have just been... Uh, just a teeny tiny bit better. I wish that the central citizen, the central city citizen, was a bigger damn deal post crisis. Like I wish she would have had her own building, um, you know, uh, post crisis. Uh, I think that's that would have been an easy crisequence to to swallow. Um, I hate that she was still in that tiny little. I mean, it's not a dingy office. It actually is a pretty office. But I wish it would have been a little bit more. I wish it would have been more of a team. I, I mean, I, clearly you'd have to hire more people on the show and that kind of thing. And I get it. Y'all don't want to. 
but seeing the people that were there, um, it was, I mean, it's nice that she has a good support system. I mean, it's clearly, it's the people that we knew, uh, we're already working with her at the citizen and you just add in Cecile and uh, a little bit more of Cecile isn't a bad thing. And plus she was spitting some, you know, was she spitting the correct legal ease professor? Well, uh, before I get to that, I just wanted to mention that, you know, in the idea of, you know, even when, um, you know, they're they're mentioning how many people are looking at the story, the numbers didn't seem overwhelming to me. It's it's not, you know, it's not like she's getting enough clicks that, you know, that's going to be a supporting business model for the citizens. So, yeah, like you, I agree that, you know, um, I don't see how they're sustaining this. But, um, you know, it, it is nice to see, you know, the heroic journalist, um, even if it's only in fiction. Um but no, I, I think Cecile was absolutely right with her her legal advice um, because Iris decides to run with her story, even though it is a single source story from an anonymous source who has you know an axe to grind. She didn't have any confirmation for that version of it, and she had the contradiction from the other source. So she was in a situation that many reporters will find themselves in where someone tells you this is what's happening, but if you can't prove it, if you can't find that second source – you know, journalistically, you shouldn't run the story. Professor, um, are you saying you would give Iris West Allen an F in journalism? I'm saying if this had happened over on Supergirl, Supergirl would have taken this story to Cat Grant or Jimmy Olsen, and Jimmy Olsen or Cat Grant would have said, find another source. I think one of the – and again, this is, you know – uh, you know, this is this is way more than I think the uh, you know the Flash team is trying to do. But one of the dangers of the online journalism model is that you don't have that level of the editor or the uh, uh, the producer or uh, or a publisher to step in and say, hey, you need to confirm this because she didn't. She was basically running an unsubstantiated allegation from one disgruntled person that she gave anonymity to. Um, so that was problematic. Uh, equally problematic is that when she published the story, um, uh, you know, she's attacked by the meta of the week, Dr. Light. Amelie, what did you think of Dr. Light and that first scene where the citizen is being attacked? I thought Dr. Light looked real cool. I was all for their, um, their uh, even the evil villain outfit. Um, <laughs> it was kind of fancy, wasn't it? It was a great look, <laughs> my gosh. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a good villain of the week, uh, and it, it was terrifying enough where it's like, oh, that's interesting. Um, and then when they did attack the Central City Citizen, that is a mouthful. Uh, I enjoy how Iris was very calm through it all. She's like, yeah, this is normal. Here's what we're going to do. And they kind of uh, showed you what she's learned over the past six seasons being on, uh, being a part of Team Flash. Uh, so I think it was a, it was a good... Um, it was a good little kind of catalyst to start off the whole black hole, uh, big bad story. Well, that raises the uh, the next point I wanted to bring up, which is uh, you know even after they're attacked, Iris, as you say, does remain calm. She uh, you know sends her uh, her uh, her team off to safety. Then she goes off to try to uh, you know uh, save her source. You know, one could argue, couldn't you just phone him or text him? Uh, but no, she chooses to drive over and meet him and gets him killed in the process uh, because <laughs> uh, you know uh, Doctor Light was following her and decides to shoot him while he's there. How convenient. 
Um, but, you know, then we get to see her basically, you know, uh, Iris being the action hero in her escaping from Dr. Light. Uh, I'll, Jeff, I'll start with you, but I want to hear from Millie as well. What do you think of – we've seen occasional glimpses of Candace Patton playing the badass before, uh, but we really got her playing full-out action hero during the sequence here. So what did you think of that? Oh, the badassery was fantastic. I mean – Badass with two dollar signs. Yes, 100%. Uh, and the fact that Candace Patton was actually in a car driving, doing stunts, because we had that, like – car pov of her driving i thought that was a really neat touch as well um it was just a really great action sequence i mean it was teeny 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 tiny but it was still hella good i mean i knew that man was dead uh you know right when she was like i need to go check on him i'm like man he's gonna die uh so rip man but uh, it was a really great moment for Iris. Uh, I thought she was just fantastic. She did get shot, though. So she got maimed. Well, she didn't really get she shot. She didn't get shot. She, she got, got um. She got hit by uh, shrapnel. Yeah. She got, uh, what is it, ultra, ultraviolet shrapnel, I guess, is what she was hit with. It was cool, though. Uh, Millie, what did you think of that scene? I loved it. I mean, I'm all here for um, Iris getting in the action. Um, like, like Jess said, her actually Candace doing stunts. I think that's great. Um, hope it means that we get to see more of her doing actiony stuff than just kind of sitting behind a computer. Um, so it was fun, and it's a different side that we don't really get to see much of Iris. That's been I feel like has been promised and kind of teased, but now we finally get it. So it's awesome. Yeah, I agree, and and I think it shows that you know you don't need arrow level fighting. You don't need uh, flash CGI fight scenes, you know, with with lightning bolts all over the place or, or black lightning type fight scenes. If you've got characters you care about in a very real situation, that can be far more riveting and interesting than than watching people, you know, uh, you know, bash each other with their superpowers. So I really like that. And again, you know, the agency of uh, of Iris, you know, she's you know, you, you look at her development over the course of, you know, the five and a half seasons. Um, she has, you know, matured tremendously as a character and become, you know, so much stronger. And I, I really do hope that they're setting up the second half of the season to be much more Iris centric. Um, uh, you know, the, it seems that the way that they're going from this episode, um, obviously, you know, they, they made the choice to get, uh, Barry off to Leanne Yu so he couldn't just be there, you know, to be the, uh, the flash to save her when she was the damsel in distress. Um, but I, I hope they find ways to not necessarily put her, you know, in danger, uh, but to give her more agency and show what she's capable of doing on her own. Because, you know, every time they've given Iris the opportunity to step up and be the leader or or do more uh, than just be the Flash's wife, um, I think she's she's uh, she's rewarded them for doing that. And and I do hope that they're showing that, you know, um, in, in the same way we talked with, uh, you know, last season about Supergirl. The idea that, you know, it wasn't enough to just be the, the superhero. Um, it was as much what Cara Danvers was doing as a journalist uh, that made the changes to the world. And I think that, you know, Team Flash has that option because you've got the superpowered Team Flash, but you've also got what Iris can do, you know, uh, in the, the information side of things. And, and, and I kind of hope they go that route. Uh, I don't know if they will or not, but um, uh, I think they're sort of setting up that possibility, and, and, and I'm all on board if they choose to do that. Um, as we mentioned, if there was anything uh, Iris... that I was surprised, really quick, uh, just Iris's choice of car. Oh, she, well, she jumped into the guy's car. That was his car. Oh, that was the that guy's car. That she jumped car. into because he dropped his keys. But how did she get there? 
Oh yeah, that is mm-hmm. true. She, he she dropped his key, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he she grabbed it, jumped into his car, and and I honestly, I had a brief moment where I thought she was going to run over Doctor Light, uh, pull a Felicity smoke moment, but oh, that uh, would have no, been amazing. No, she was the Doctor Light was too smart. But wait, yeah. how did she get there though? So she left her car. Uh, I don't know how she got there. She uh, she, uh, she she just arrived in the parking garage looking for him because that's where she'd met him before. So. You know, why are you going to meet him there again? That, that doesn't make any sense unless she had texted him or phoned him, but there was no indication of that because if she'd texted her phone, she just would have said, there's a meta trying to kill me, go hide, not I'm going to show up and put you in danger. Um, but anyway, as we mentioned, uh, during her escape, Iris gets badly wounded. Fortunately, Joe's there with his superpower of super advice. He realizes why she's been pushing herself so hard, and he persuades her to slow down and think, which leads them to setting a trap for Dr. Light, which is clever but doesn't quite go as planned. Uh, Jeff, what did you think about the trap and how easily Dr. Light got free? Uh, Iris did have the blackmail card, which worked out, but Frost very nearly got killed. Yeah. So Joe was Joe, and he was fantastic. So, uh, you know, I mean, he gave the best advice, and it made the most sense with everything that happened. You know, and, and I loved the example that he had. You know, crisis was coming, and I tried to close as many cases as possible. But now we're living in a post-crisis world, and we can breathe. And there's always tomorrow, and we don't have to rush. It was a, a similar kind of storyline as to what, um, or similar type of discussion as to what Diggle had given um, Barry over on the NU. Uh, so there was a bit of commonality in the storylines, even though they, they did feel like very different storylines and, and they just didn't mesh well in uh, this episode. So I will give them uh, props on, on finding a way to link the the overall uh, moral to the story. Um, but uh, the, the plan was really good. Uh, that was just awesome. Um, I, I love when they use technology in, in really neat kind of ways. Although, would the hologram been able to sit down and then stand up without showing that it's a hologram? I don't know. Dr. Light wasn't paying as much attention. Neither were we, because we thought that was Iris. The, the whole, um... Dr. Light. I didn't think that was Iris. I thought it was oh. a hologram all the way. The only other possibility I thought was maybe it was Ralph. But oh. we hadn't seen Ralph all episodes, so I was convinced it was a hologram. All right, get it. And so Dr. Light was fooled. She had, what was it, a shotgun to the face, and, uh, and uh, Killer Frost was there. I was worried for Joe because I don't know, what was that, like a plate? It That looked hard as fuck. And it hit him in the jaw. And I was like, does he have a broken jaw? Like, I was very concerned for Joe. Because Joe is it's a man of particular age. And, and when you break something when you're a man of a particular age, that shit stays broken. Or that takes forever to heal. It never heals right. You, you, like, you never, yeah. So you just have to be careful. Once you hit, I would say, 40 plus, try not to break any bones, listeners. Anyway, um, so I was concerned for Joe, but then Killer Frost got shot, and uh, she was trying to frost the frack out of that uh, light bullet. Um, She was able to. Dr. Light was impressed. And for a moment there, and it even looked like Killer Frost knew she was about to die, but fortunately, uh, Iris came through in a pinch and uh, was able to, uh, you know, make sure that the gift basket w- was uh, returned to sender. 
But it, yeah, I was worried for Killer Frost for a moment. I didn't think she was going to die-die, but I thought, are they going to uh, like injure her so she's out of commission for at least a couple of episodes? Or for at least a, a few months of a pregnancy. Uh, well, but no, and, and again, it's it's that whole you know story timing, right? But no, that, no, no. Killer know. Frost isn't pregnant. Kingdom right. Yes. Pregnant. The um, but the uh, the timing of it that you know. So so what if Doctor Light hadn't chosen to take a call in the middle of you know just before she was going to kill her? It, it just felt you know that felt you know kind of artificial to me. I did like you know the agency of uh, of Iris you know doing this and uh, you know uh, you know manipulating the guy and using the blackmail card and everything like that. But it just felt like she was you know playing a very weak hand, and I think it was story armor that uh, that kept things from going much worse. It uh, was a weak hand, have. but he also called around on the weakness of the hand. You know what I'm saying? Because he was like, you don't really have much. That's why you're here scaring me. And uh, she did, she was able to, what I liked about what they did in that conversation, they showed us, I mean, you know, there are times when we might question uh, Iris's journalistic capabilities and that sort of thing, or even the um, the very... Uh, realness of of what they're doing over at the Central City Citizen and how impactful it is. But the fact that they made Iris really smart and and they showed her to be a really good uh, um, journalist in regards to analyzing the evidence that she has and being able to put two and two together, I thought that was a really great moment for Iris. And whether that was just to service the storyline or to service Iris as a character, I thought it was a really great moment for her. Well, and also as a journalist, you know, Iris's power is her ability, his, her, you know, ability to get information out to people. So the threat of doing that is no different than, you know, a, you know, if you're facing a supervillain who can, you know, explode themselves saying, if you do this, I'll blow myself up and kill all these people. So it, it did kind of make sense. That's what, that was her, you know, sort of, you know, establishing that she does have, you know, maybe not a superpower, but a power in her own right. So, yeah, I did like that she played it. It just, it did feel a little artificial the way they were, you know. Uh, the playing, the timing of it. Uh, at any rate, the uh, lawsuit against the citizens dropped, but the bad guy clearly knows Iris is on to him, so uh, things are not going to go away after one episode. Uh, before we get to the surprise ending, Barry and Iris get to unwind with each other, uh, which is really, you know, interestingly, almost the first time they've been together that we've seen them together anyway since before the crisis because, you know, they didn't have any time together during the crisis. And this is obviously following close on the heels of the crisis in terms of, you know, uh, you know, Oliver's death and everything like that. So, uh, Millie, how'd you like how they played, uh, between the, the scene between the two of them? And do you think this puts the, this episode puts the post-crisis problems behind them that we won't be dealing with this racing to, uh, uh, solve all the problems of the world that, you know, uh, Iris's, uh, you know, uh, stresses that she was dealing with with uh, Barry's death. Uh, are they going to put that behind them or do you think this is going to be a continuing problem going forward? I like that they had a, a moment together. I do feel like there hasn't been as many uh, moments between Barry and Iris as there could be in the past season or so. Um, so it's nice that we kind of got to see them together. And that's kind of my thoughts. Like, I, I do get their journeys that they went through this episode, but you'd think at the same time they would go through it together. Um, but I guess that's a whole nother discussion. Uh, I, I hope that it's not something that's kind of brushed under because it, of how large crisis is and the impact it has on you, like mentally and emotionally, you think it would not 
just take, you know, this time to resolve it. But I have a feeling it will be just because it's the Flash and they like to wrap everything up in an episode and then move on to the next thing. Um, but I think there should be some still some emotional hangover because we still really haven't gotten uh, that whole confrontation. And that's kind of what this was, but we didn't get, I think, to the extent that it could be. So I think there's still more to explore in that, um, in the lingering effects of crisis and what that meant for them as a couple. Uh, Iris makes a realization in the middle of the night and goes off to investigate. She doesn't have time to wake her husband, the fastest man alive, but she does have time to handwrite a note, completely change her clothes, put on her necklace, and drive all the way over to McCullough. But remember, she didn't have time to wake Barry and tell him about this situation. Um, anyway, while she's at McCullough Technology, she sneaks around and is sucked into a mirror. Uh, let's talk about that final <laughs> scene. Uh, yeah, Sorry, so the way that you said it throwing a tiny bit of shade here because it really doesn't hold up i mean <laughs> the time we have taking you to walk in the bedroom and go, shake him and go honey uh i need uh, some help versus i'm going to handwrite this note and and i did check not only did she completely change her clothes she was not wearing a necklace but she's clearly wearing a necklace in the next scene so she had time not only to change clothes but to accessorize for breaking into mccullough well, you gotta look good Hem. Anyway, you got to fit the part. She she looked fantastic. I I am not criticizing that in any by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying the amount of time it would have taken, she probably had time to wake Barry. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about the final scene, uh, the mirror surprise, and what do you think comes next? I'll open this up to uh, Jeff first, and then Millie. Uh, what did you think about the uh, the mirror scene, and uh, and what do you think it means? Okay, so before we get to that, okay, I get that she wrote the note. You know, I get that she doesn't want to get him involved just yet. I get all that. My problem was with it is because you never know what could happen. The fact that she didn't even write, I'm going to McCulloch or something. Like, so that at least he knows exactly where she's going. That bothered me. Like, it, it, you know, I know that you had a problem with the outfit and the accessories and, and not waking up Barry. I didn't mind the not waking up Barry. I don't even mind the change in outfit and the accessories. I minded that she didn't even write, I'm going to McCulloch to follow up on the lead. Um, this, that, or the other. I, I feel like if you're going someplace and you don't know if you're going to make it back alive or you might disappear or something bad could happen or you might get trapped or whatever... Try to at least give the clues. Like, uh, maybe he might be able to figure it out eventually, but at least let him know so at least he doesn't have to even try to figure it out. He knows exactly where to flash off to. So that bothered me. As far as her sneaking in, um, I was trying to remember, where did she get that badge? Because didn't the badge that the guy had disintegrate, but she had another badge? No, she had his badge. Uh, it was the uh, the jump drive uh, that was attached to it that had been damaged. Oh, okay. Okay. So she has the badge. The problem is that guy had been fired. Why was his badge still working? Well, there is that too. Well, we don't even have to get into that. But she was able to get in, and then she had the little uh, trinket that worked. Like, all that was fantastic. I love that she figured it out. I, I thought it was really... <laughs> I thought it was really dumb that she had to write out the, what is it, Eva AV3. Like, couldn't you just, like, think of it and be like, oh, that's Eva? Like, I, I, I figured that out without even writing it down and putting it up to a mirror. But I guess we needed the mirror thing because the mirror motif was coming back. Like, she looked in the mirror, Eva in the mirror, Eva might be in the mirror, uh, but 
so I, I guess we needed the mirror to set up the the reveal at the end. But she goes to the that Eva room. Uh, she goes inside. I like, you know, she was snooping around. She pulls the thing down. And then she gets yanked in the mirror. Now, I will say, if you don't know this, I apologize. But they did cast an Eva McCulloch. And she is going to be a new version. A remixed new paint job version of Mirror Master. So, is this Eva that pulled her in? Is this a victim of Eva's that pulled her in? Uh, I don't know. I don't really remember what Mirror Master's powers are. Except for they can jump in the mirror, right? And there was the mirror yeah, world? Yeah, Mirror Master can jump into any mirror or reflective surface and appear in any other mirror or reflective surface. It, it varies. And there is actually a Mirror Master named Evan McCullough. So, so there you go. So they... Okay, so... Yeah, because I don't remember what mirror... Uh, well, outside of that, I still don't really remember what the powers are. I do know we did meet a Mirror Master. I, I do remember yes, that. Yes, back in Season 3. Yes. So, so that did happen. Um, I don't know what this means, though. Like, was she the mastermind of everything? Did her husband become the mastermind of everything? Did he get her killed? Are we going to see, instead of a villainous mirror master, is it going to be a, a good mirror master with this new paint job? Uh, I, I guess we have to wait. Um, uh, but I hope... No, I don't really know. No, I, I don't know if I have a... I don't know if I have a theory because we have we saw the promo and Iris is acting weird in the promo, but I don't know what that means. So is she affected by her trip into the mirror down, you know, in the looking glass and you know, down, down the rabbit hole? And uh, I mean, well, this isn't Batwoman, so let's not do the Alice in Wonderland stuff. But things are going to get topsy turvy, apparently, and I'm excited for it. Uh, I, I know that the showrunner in an interview was like, you know, if you thought about the first half of the season graphic novel number one as like a horror type of movie with like horror tinges and that kind of stuff you know you're gonna see us delve into the sci-fi in this next chapter which i think is kind of comical to say because i feel like every comic book show delves into the sci-fi i mean superpowers and all that kind of stuff is very science fictiony but uh I actually found that final scene very horror-infused. You know, having these these hands pop out the mirror and, like, suck you in. Like, I thought that was a really, not creepy-creepy, but sort of creepy-ish. And uh, it worked for me. I am very concerned uh, for Iris, though. Uh, Millie, what did you think of the scene, and uh, where do you think we go next? Um, I thought it was a good twist and turn. Um, I didn't think she'd be sucked into the mirror. I mean, we knew something was going to happen. It was the end of the scene. But it was kind of a nice little surprise. Like, oh, there goes Iris. Um, and I think in terms of what I think happens next, uh, I, I wonder if, and I, I don't know, don't remember too much about the Mirror Master's powers, but I, in my opinion, I feel like it might be a, a thing where it's, they, it's not like Iris, she's been changed, but it's like someone is pretending to be Iris, and that's why she's a little funky. And it's, like, up to Barry to figure out, like, you know, where's my wife kind of thing. Um, that That's my – that's the best shot I have at a theory. Um, otherwise, I'm I'm interested to see what where they'll go with that and how they'll, like, if the Mirror Master will continue to pop up or um, if it's just kind of, like, this is for this episode and we'll, we'll see what's on to the next one. 
my feeling is that uh, whoever pulled her into the mirror, the mirror master, uh, Eva McCullough is not a bad guy because if she was a bad guy or if she was a bad guy who was working with uh, uh, with Black Hole, why would they cover the mirror? That so my feeling is that, you know, she's someone who is a danger to McCullough technology. And that's why they've uh, they've covered the mirror and, uh, uh, you know, have sort of locked her away. And I think that, you know. Um, uh, Iris making contact with her, and yeah, my feeling is that you know, uh, you know, I didn't actually watch the promo, but uh, from what you said, uh, my guess is that you know, this mirror master will be able to create like mirror versions of people. So this will be a, an alternate version, you know, a mirror version of uh, uh, of Iris, while Iris is is there in the mirror world talking to the mirror master. But my feeling is that uh, you know, mirror master will not necessarily be a good guy necessarily, but will be you know, someone who will help them uh, against uh, Black Hole going forward. But that's just a guess. And, uh, you know, sort of I think the idea that they're they're trying to play off of, you know, our expectations that, you know, uh, the meta is always going to be bad and, and everything like that. So having one who we expect to be bad but actually will will end up helping the team, uh, I think will allow them to sort of play off that uh, that that crisis sense of uh, of changing up our expectations. Exactly, and that works for me, because if we've seen some of these characters in the past, having them remixed and having them be maybe not fully a hero or fully an ally, but someone that's more helpful to the team versus being just an antagonist, I think is the the good way to go. Like, I don't mind them bringing back a couple of villains and making them, like ridiculously op or extra powerful for for a moment and then they take them down but doing that all the time could be a bit too much so having some of them be um, beneficial to the team i think is going to be a, a really good switcheroo it also allows them to bring back some of the uh the rogues that we've liked in the past amunet black for example and you know put a fresh coat of paint on them you know, uh, change them up, make them a little different this time around. Uh, and so we get to find out, you know, what the deal is uh, with them, even as uh, as our heroes are finding that out, which I think could be a fresh way to do things. Uh, so before we move on to MVP and our ratings, was there anything else about the episode anyone wanted to mention? Well, clearly Nash and his daughter. Well, we knew that was coming. Come on. We that was, did, that but was, we got a That was so clumsily foreshadowed. And, and even in this episode, him looking at her and like when he, he rushed in and was like only concerned about her. Um, that was just I just considered that, you know, confirmation of what we'd already known. Well, yes, but it was nice that we were right. True. Uh, well, when you're right as often as I am, it, it doesn't feel as, as special as it does for some people, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, moving on to the MVP section. Uh, state which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character's been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. Millie, who is your MVP and pourquoi? I hate you, Millie, already. <laughs> I didn't say anything. Um... But I will have to say my MVP of the episode has to go to Diggle. Oh, um, I love you. <laughs> I uh, I think that he was well used, and it's great that we get to see him one last time. And he is that bridge between, um, you know, the end of Arrow and uh, the kind of last remnant of that. And then Barry kind of taking charge of this ship that is the Arrowverse. Um, so partaking in the last bit of wisdom and helping him kind of cope with that I think was very fitting and uh, it was good. I always love seeing David Ramsey. He does, he does the emotional scenes really well, so big props to that. Jeff, okay, am I going to let you go next or am I going to steal it for myself? Uh, I'll go ahead, choose it. 
Thank you. Although that would have been very Britney of you. And I can say that because Britney's not here. Um, yeah, coward. If Britney were here, you wouldn't be talking like that. Uh, you never know. Maybe in this post-crisis world, you never know. Yeah, good point. Tis true. She might not be a killer. I know, right? Okay, so uh, clearly, Iris motherfucking West Allen, and yes, that is her official middle name. She was just badass. She was awesome. She was a kick-ass journalist. She, uh, you know, took down... Well, she didn't really take him down, but she uh, read that man for filth. She uh, exposed some of his criminal uh, nefariousness. She got sued, then she got unsued, and then she got sucked into the mirror. I mean, she was just fantastic throughout the entire episode. I loved seeing Iris as the badass. And, uh, yeah, I I mean, she was just spectacular. Uh, I mean, there was no one else for me to choose. Although Diggle, if I was not going to be able to choose Iris, Diggle was a good choice as well. Uh, I'm going to choose uh, Cisco. Um, I, uh, you know, I like the fact, you know, we got uh, a development of his character. I thought his uh, his anger towards Nash uh, was understandable because we later found out that it, some of it was misplaced. He was feeling, you know, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, resentment towards himself uh, as well. And you know, honestly, his his lashing out at uh, at Nash made sense. Uh, you know, seeing that scene where he was, you know, interacting with the uh, the hologram of uh, of Harry. Uh, you know, was really touching and, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, sort of, you know, established, you know, him dealing with the sense of loss. Um, and uh, and as I say, you know, now that we know, you know, he will be coming back. Uh, I think that's great. Um, if he's going off, does that mean Camille's going with him? Uh, if not, what will that mean? Who knows? Uh, but I thought he played it really well. And uh, and again, I did like the fact that while he didn't come right out and say, I regret giving up my powers, he did, you know, have that, you know, sort of, and he actually, you know, was crying at the moment where he's trying to deal with the consequences of, you know, he really thought he wanted that, but realized the price. And that is a price that, you know, we've been talking about, you know, uh, the almost selfishness of, uh, of giving up the power, the ability to make a difference just because to lead a normal life and, uh, and, and what that means in a superhero world. So I thought that was uh, really well done. Hologram of Harry. Sorry. That was the thing that, that I mentioned in my, uh, in my initial reaction that bothered me. The hologram of Harry should not exist in a post-crisis world their memories can exist of harry but any physical thing that reminds us of the pre-crisis world should not exist so that was something that Ah, bugged the hell out of me um flash writers if you're listening shame on you uh now how would you rate the episode on a a scale of one to ten lightning bolts the point system is allowed and if you found the episode exceptional deserving of more than a ten you may archive the episode in the flash museum uh, Jeff, what rating do you give this episode? Unless that was them sort of hinting or winking at us that the multiverse does exist, because we do know that, and that was a little hint to them that they should start realizing that the multiverse exists. But it's different multiverse, like I know. the, yeah, uh, that is the worlds that we knew. Yeah, I think you're right that it's yeah, just a I know. Uh, they made a uh, you know them going for the sentiment rather than anything else. Yes. Okay, so mixed emotions here because. Uh, it it was not a horrible episode. It, there were a lot of elements that worked. It just seemed like a hodgepodge type of episode. I'm usually the nicest uh, raider, um, and I probably might be a little bit too nice even with what I'm going to give it. 
But uh, I thought the Iris stuff was really good by itself. I thought the Barry storyline was really good by itself. And I even thought the Cisco storyline was really good by itself. But the combination of the Iris and the Barry stuff, especially because they did seem to learn the same lesson, and why couldn't they learn that lesson together? Why didn't we take a breather after Crisis? Um... You know, why didn't we see that emotional type of moment from Iris in this episode? A lot of stuff was sort of swept under the rug, which I can't really blame the what-ifs on this episode by itself. But it was still a fine episode. It was not one of the worst episodes of The Flash. It just isn't up there with some of the best of the best. So I'm going to give it a solid 8. I feel like 8 is a good number. It's, you know, it's clearly not a 9 or 10 or, or an archive type of situation, but I, I feel like going anything below that for me would just be, um, it, it would warrant it if there was a lot more to nitpick about it, and there was still a lot of good in the episode. It was just a little bit of a mess, but a good mess. Millie, how would you rate this episode? Um, well, I think because I have a, a few more nitpicks than Jeff, I'm going to rate it a little lower than him and go with a 7.8 um, rating. Individually, it's all, it's great, but putting it together, that's kind of really what it is. Like, is it a full episode? No. Um, it's just kind of a bunch of ideas that they're like, oh, we need to touch on this and this and this to kick off the back half of the season. Um, let's just kind of hodgepodge it together, uh, use a little bit of our imagination uh, to think it all works together and then present that. But I do love that Iris is taking front and center, um, and I'm super excited for that. So I hope that it kind of straightens up the ship a little bit um, as we stare in the back half of the season. Yeah, I was going to come in with a uh, a fairly good rating, but after Jeff pointed out that whole hologram fiasco, I have to give it a zero. That's just shocking that they would make <laughs> that mistake. Um, no, I, I, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I, you know, honestly, I'm between you two guys, so I'm just going to give it a seven point nine. It was an enjoyable episode, but. I just, you know, as we said before, I think the individual pieces work, but even though they tried to have, you know, a thematic link of, of, you know, the three sort of, you know, main team flash characters, uh, you know, dealing with the crisis, not crisis, but dealing with the emotional aftermath of crisis, they just didn't fit together somehow. And, uh, uh, and I don't know why. I think the uh, the individual parts were better than the whole in this particular case, but uh, even so I thought it was enjoyable and, uh, uh, you know, uh, in terms of setting things up, introducing us to Black Hole and Dr. Light, who seems pretty cool. Um, uh, I'll give it a 7.9 just to split the difference between you two. So it's next time for a brand new installment of the Central City Citizen. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Central City Citizen. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com archives. 
You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for the Central City Citizen and subscribe. Thanks, announcer co-hosts. Please wish listeners a good night, Millie. Good night, Central City. And if you want to follow along with me on social media, I'm on Twitter as at the Asian Nerd. Jeff. Good night, listeners. Iris, you in danger, girl. Still. And Iris, remember, you do live with the fastest man alive. Don't ignore that as a resource. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of The Central City Citizen every Thursday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio Archives. Good night.